talking about today. I meant to slack you earlier and it just, I zoned out. You want to ramble for a little bit on ideas around returning to work since it's top of mind? Sure. <laughs> Maybe? Uh, no? Uh, yeah, no. The the topic, I guess, just being completely transparent um, with you and whoever's listening, the topic is gets a, is a little tiring for me. It is a little tiring. We we know so little. If you sit back in armchair and just watch, I was listening to Spotify this week and I heard an ad from Accenture where the CEO of Accenture got on and did the little scripted blurb and like something like, we're returning to work somewhere between 25 and 75% and we're committed to this flexibility, blah, 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 blah. And we're doing this by August. It was like, you're going to feel dumb when that has to change by August because there's so many unknowns. I wonder why this isn't an opportunity for us to double down on teaching people at large to be a little bit more fluid and accept some complexity and accept unknowns. Maybe I'm just totally pie in the sky with that, but I would rather not have commitments made to me that are going to miss all the time. I would rather not have to set expectations that are going to be missed when there are lots of unknowns instead of just saying, we actually, here are the two things we know and here are the 25 we don't. So we're going to operate with these, just these two right now. That's all. I'm not going to make any promises or any demands or anything. Maybe that, maybe my approach doesn't scale. Maybe my approach is cynical. I'm not sure. Ooh, you're onto something. Okay, let's dig in. Because I think we see this pretty similarly, which is nobody knows the right answer. And the other component of what you're talking about, there's like a time component there too, when we all f collectively freaked out this time last year, we all went remote very quickly and abruptly. And everybody did it. It was like this massive, the Titanic defied the laws of physics and turned 180 degrees and didn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so... So you say. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some people's Titanic actually cracked That's in half. That's true too. <laughs> collectively though, we made this massive shift very quickly. We don't, we have no such catalyst on the opposite side. So this whole, even if you could stipulate, which we can't, which is, this is completely not true, but even if we were going back to how things were in 2019, which we're not and we can't, that transition is going to take forever. Like this move back to the next normal return to better new normal Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Munge, throw them yes. all in a blender and then just keep pulling yes. like words out and restringing them together. Like getting people back on site in any capacity and in any kind of regular capacity is a heavy lift that is, we don't, no one knows how to do it. No one knows the right way to do it. No one knows the right timing around it. And no one knows the right ratio because we came from a world where 100% on site was the norm you would occasionally have people dial into meetings and we did it we did that so terribly let's like people on the phone were disenfranchised the tech in the room was terrible you had four people on the phone they might as well have not been there they can't hear you like it's it was silly and so how do we go back into a world where 100% you know, on site doesn't make sense 100% remote for everybody doesn't make sense either you miss out on some synchronous collaboration group type things so not only do we have to figure out what the Goldilocks 
ratio is, which is different per organization, or maybe even per region per organization. But then when you're actually on site, you really should not be engaging in activities and your team should not be engaging in activities that they can do remotely. That's a waste. You don't have five days a week to to dork around with anymore. You have to be very focused. It's almost like a team practice if you're a professional sports team. When you're all on the field together, you have limited number of practice reps. Like You have to do them really well. There's a cost now to doing things ineffectively. You can't get away with as much. And so this is a very hard problem to solve. And I think any kind of general guidance you see or... No, we overcorrected on the other end of that. It's funny to hear the guy from Accenture. We're no better. We're saying like 2022. What is... (laughs) Like, how could you know 2028, no, you And then the price you pay is if you are trending more towards, if I think if the people or your organizational average of how often people are on site, so if it's, if the average is, let's call it, what is 24 hours a week? So three days and two days from home. So if most people are working a three, two and you're working a one, four, right? Coming in one day, it's hard for me to get my head around that your career will advance and you'll be top of mind for opportunities and brought into discussions and and benefit from the serendipity of ad hoc human collaboration, if you play that out over three years, I have to believe that if you're below the average of on-site hours spent, I'm just like as a proxy, your career is going to slow down, is going to progress slower, I think. That's my hypothesis. I don't know. That hypothesis makes sense to me with a different past narrative of having worked in a lot of different distributed formats before. So that at one point in my life, I was traveling internationally nine months a year. My entire team was out of, was in a different country than I was, different countries than I was. So all of our interactions were on Zoom. I spent a lot of time jet setting to different places to try to connect with clients and teams and subsets of the team. So you got very comfortable with that sort of remote feeling. Prior to that, though, the example you're using of if you're just not around, you don't feel as connected, or if you're not around, you get over. It's not passed over for things. It's overlooked because you're not there. That was a reality as well. Not saying specifically for me, but it was a constant concern and a constant item that was brought up with different people of being present in the office or not, being present at a client or not. So there's so many elements of truth to what you're saying. And here's just one of the many unknowns. If you pull those threads through that we're both talking about, we also have, we're operating with a generation, a generational workforce that is very comfortable communicating, making really good friends over Facebook. Just remote in every way possible. So there, the technology is better than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. A different wave of people in the workforce have different expectations. So we have to incorporate those changes into both good and bad into some of our past experiences as well. That there is, if you think of the, def- in my opinion, think about it, the definition of um, complex and complicated. This is not at all complicated. We're about to, tr- we are already treating it like it is to so- to many degrees, not we, like the, the royal we. This idea of there is a right answer, that's com- that's the definition of complicated. This is, yeah. this is not, there is no right, right answer here. 
There is no right answer. There are, I believe, there are sets of principles that need to be identified for each group and subgroup and those adhered to. But from the outset, like that's going to look chaotic because it's not going to have a rule book to follow. It's not going to have a standard imprint that one can just keep creating. Oh, principles. That's so good. I was trying to think of a word to use for like ideas on how to approach this coming up because we're at the beginning, like we're on the beginning uptick and it's just going to snowball and snowball. And when everyone's kids are back in school in August, the appetite for wanting people to come in is going to, or the appetite for letting people work remotely, I think is going to diminish in a lot of organizations. Okay. You said principles. If you're a leader, if you're running an organization, if you're running a team, I would submit then that your first principle should be maximum flexibility. Everybody's situation is unique. The last year has impacted every human slightly differently. We've all experienced the same macro event that we interpreted and and navigated through in isolation differently. There's no two people who are going to come out of this the same. And so if you're leading the smallest of teams, the largest of organizations, maximizing flexibility for accommodating people's re-emergence into work, I think is the number one thing. And you should err on the side of grace, maybe. Is that the right word? Of flexibility. I think that's a good word. And you don't have to solve this in 2021. You don't even really have to solve this in 2022. You could view this as a three to five year problem. I think that's right. That's a great one. I agree with you 100%. I can't hear maximum flexibility without thinking that somewhere in another list, whether it's number two or below in a set of principles, there ha- there would have to be something around maximum personal accountability. Yeah. Because there you, you can't have one without the other. You would have, you'd, you'd end up with a skewing of output, lack of clarity on responsibilities, responsiveness, all we just sorts talked about being overlooked. Devolving. Right, just on accident. Being overlooked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think those two things would have to would have to go together. So it's interesting because there's a spectrum here. If you're a leader, yeah, number one principle, maximum flexibility. If you are, if you take your individual, the individual out of it. So if you're an individual contributor, if you're a vice president that has... 300 people working for them. This doesn't matter. You you are an individual. You report to somebody when you distill everything down. I think f- for what you're saying, yeah, it's absolutely right. Like you, you have to be more aggressive around communicating what you're doing uh, and what your responsibilities are. And you have to be proactive around not only what you're going to be doing, because again, if the whole system is flexible, you should be clear about how you're engaging with it, how it's impacting you. And then there are a lot of things you can't control that you have an opportunity to influence because no one else knows the right answer. And so I think even if you're the at the highest rungs of leadership, you are still an individual that has to go and exhibit that that level of personal accountability. Just like when you start college, You have classes, you have four hours apart between two classes and you think, oh, I can just go play pool and hang out. And it's, no, you you have to prep and do homework and you have to use that time because otherwise things are going to snowball against you. And so it's the same kind of thing. You're going to have more freedom. You're going to have more autonomy. You have to make good use of that through personal accountability. So I think those are the two, 
like one is group if you're a leader on flexibility, the other one is on the individual. I think personal accountability makes perfect sense. And maybe you could just, we could sit with those too. Man, there's so, there are just some other things that immediately come to mind though. Like I love when you move from flexibility is reliant or dependent on personal accountability, immediately my brain goes to the day, are the days of monitoring clicks on a keyboard and people clocking in and clocking out, are they gone? Are we now, are we making a major shift toward output? Toward, like your example of college is a great one. Like it, it is, it's your responsibility to get your work done and to get from place to place. No one's micromanaging you. So are, are those, are, is the pendulum swinging away from that type of monitoring, because it still happens. It's still active. There are still companies that actively track clicks on a keyboard to see when people are working and what they're doing. Or are we making a shift for certain kinds of workers and not others? Just throwing that out there. That goes back into sort of the complexity idea of there's no prescriptive, there's no one right answer. What would happen if a sub-principle here was a flex ultimate like maximum flexibility but around the lowest common denominator so let's for example that would be whatever your working group is or your team your level cohort the people that you interact with regularly to get your job done what if you as a group had the flexibility to determine what your on-site and off-site work would be what your work hours would be how you would alter them for maximum support of the group accountability and throughput. Yeah, in the same way, no two teams' velocity points at the end of a sprint are should be compared apples to apples because they mean different things. They're different teams. The genetic makeup is just different. You're saying along that same stratification, that's where the discussion around flexibility, the working agreement, the negotiation around who is where and when and what the expectations from the different members of the team can be, should be at that. I guess what it, that would be the atomic team level, the smallest possible team, but it's not a hierarchical team. It's a the, the team that actually produces what a unit of business value. Yeah? Yes. That's a great expression. So maybe it. the marketing group yeah. and the development group, those two can't be treated as independent silos. It's the web team and what, how they're tied together. Yeah, I, that makes sense. That's going to require collaboration and agreement in the frozen top. <laughs> you have to, as a leader, you have to be very comfortable with different groups within your organization doing different things, which is uh, blasphemous, I think. It is a little bit blasphemous and I kind of love it. But when I think about, I, I like things that force the system to break from time to time. But when I think about the concept that many people want right now, this concept of know me as a human, know me as an individual, understand my needs without compromising maximum personal accountability, because I believe you and I are, we stand very strong on the same space there. You can't have one without the other. Will there be such a demand for an understanding of the individual that this atomic team concept will be mandatory. Yeah, maybe so. I I strongly suspect that without something this sort of, this is like uh, impressionist painting. 
right? This is, it's like all painting outside the lines, all sorts of crazy things like that right now. This is, there's no more um, org charts from the 1920s or whatever, however long ago we've been looking at the same sorts of visuals uh, for what organizations should look like. This is very different. And I, I suspect that people, if not treated with a combination of these things, will, they will start voting with their feet. That's the the two huge like metrics that are out in the world right now, which maybe we have rough numbers on. One is like how much did this whole pandemic cost the U.S. economy? The last article I read was sixteen trillion dollars. That's got to be made up somehow, or we're going to have a massive correction or something. Like something's got to give. Maybe a thing we could do as individuals, as organizations, to combat that is increase productivity. That could be cool. So there's that debt we have to pay down that un it's like a like a call option almost that hasn't been called right like we're behind on on something that's going to hit us and then this mean time to new job number where there have been people that we work with woke up one day said I don't like this situation that I just found out about I'm going to find a new job put in their 2 weeks notice 3 weeks later like Companies are shortening their hiring cycle, removing steps, accelerating steps, offering above market rates to, to get people in the door, sometimes to replace other people that they've lost. And so it's really easy right now, especially if you have an in-demand skill set to, to get a job. The, the barrier is lower. The friction is lower. The amount of time it takes is lower. So those two things together, I think you're going to, you have to do something and this flexibility and personal accountability ideas, I think, are a step in the right direction. The only thing I can come up with that is a tiny sliver mirror that we've seen, at least you and I are, have seen, maybe somebody with 20 years more in, in industry has seen different examples. But do you remember the wave of making making offices cool? Do you remember that wave? Oh, yeah. It was like, we're going to tear down cubicles. We're going to bring in ping pong tables and all the snacks. And now you can wear your flip-flops and bring your dog and all this whole wave Come out of your cars the startup vibe. Yeah. That there's, there is a, there's a, if you squint, there's a feeling of that right now of what is offering a new set of perks and who the heck knows what those perks would be. Is it going to be enough to get people engaged, committed to go back to what they had what the firm had, what any firm had before for in terms of physical presence and commitment when we have now seen that that isn't necessary to do one's job. And the, hmm. the data are a little fuzzy on whether that helped before to begin with anyway. It did something. It caused a lot of disruption. I, th I think some of it was good and some of it was bad. <laughs> and, and in general, though, lots and lots of disruption, right? Yeah, yeah. But we also saw, just to pull on this metaphor a little bit further, we saw companies invest in that particular like buy-in, that sort of me-tooing of that approach, and it backfired on them completely. They couldn't hire and or retain. People weren't using the assets available to them, all the perks, it didn't seem to matter. So it isn't, in some, in many spaces, it wasn't enough. Yeah, and I would point to when it's not enough, it's probably because the people who left their manager really sucked, 
Like they weren't that good. And you can give, and we see this play out in life, right? Like you can have a hundred really great things going for you and you have one material piece that's wrong and it doesn't even matter. It's like it overweights everything else. I could see paying above market rates, having all the perks, all the dry cleaning, your health insurance is paid for, you have everything you could ask for uh, from a job and the person that you report to is terrible. You're like, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. People give up a lot to go do something that's much more sustainable for them personally. And so you pair that with, I think there was a, was it Wall Street Journal that said 40% of people in a poll said that they were going to leave their job this year? Did you see that? I yeah. did. I did. I think it was Wall That's Journal. crazy. That's... It's a thing you can control. It's a lot you, you of had shift. a major life change, and it's a thing you mm -hmm. can control. It's also representative of a, and this is something we've not really pulled a thread on. It's a representative of a reprioritization. I think it's, I think there's a number of factors. If you tried to combine them all, the idea that somebody would leave and change careers or change companies, it's not just about the standards of, I don't want to travel as much or money or whatever. So like, I want a different balance. I found a different interest since I was trapped at home and had more time. I really enjoy spending time with my family and we decided to start a side hustle. There's any any number of different reasons, but I think it's going to be a massive industry upheaval. Yeah, definitely. I was just looking. Going back to... Oh, oh sorry, just the NPR call is calling it the great resignation one day oh, ago. Yeah. Wow. And there's... Uh, I, actually, yeah, NPR just released, it looks like there's a four-minute listen, the great resignation... As the pandemic recedes, millions of workers are saying, I quit. So that, I haven't read it, obviously. I just searched mm. for it. But I think that's the idea. It's you're, You've just been exposed to too much differentness to go back to the way things were. Yeah. And this goes back to your original, your supposition around maximum flexibility. What would it take? This is like micro and macro flexibility. In order to keep one's people your most precious asset from walking out the door, what are you willing to flex on? What are, and, and the needs are going to be widely varied. Yes. Are I you think. so rigid in your thinking <laughs> and preferences that you're willing to let people walk out the door to, to fight to keep it one way? Yeah. Now that takes, when we started, you mentioned flexibility just in terms of the grace to get back into an office and a team and figure out what's working. This is a whole other ballgame. It, it, takes, it, it takes perks and extrapolates them out, benefits and changes the way we understand them. This is interesting. I think, I don't, I think most companies are not able going to be able to manage well, it. Well, yeah, because but. it's a hundred small things. There's no one, two, three things you can do that will be industry standard that are proven in work. You can't even pay people more right now. There's you. I don't know that there's any one thing you could do. It's a hundred things that if we did them and some other company did them, we would have different results. That's You said complex environment before. That's a perfect example of, you know, these are non-deterministic systems, you put the same inputs in, you get different outputs out. Like this, this is going to take persistent exploration, flexibility. You're going to try things. And if it works, double down on it. If it's not, if it doesn't move on. And that's, uh, meanwhile, up to 40% of the people that work in your organization are, they're already planning on leaving. That's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. 
I would like to believe that mid-sized and smaller organizations can get in front of that by being humble enough to engage in, in the levels of conversation and the probing and then the ultimate flexibility that you're talking about. Of, Let's try some things and then pull back quickly. What I don't know is if larger, well, I suspect that I know, if larger companies will be able, will even be willing to do that, or if it'll be all lip service, if they'll be able to do it, will they be able to pivot fast enough? Will their shareholders and the stock market let them experiment? Yeah, good questions. I like the idea of envisioning an entire just combustion of so many systems and rethinking and rebuilding without the sacred cows, what we would refer to in our firm as focusing on the unknown unmet in this space. This could be massive for the economy itself and for the way employees relate to their employers. I don't think the U.S. economy is brave enough to take it on, but that's my cynical opinion. <laughs> Maybe it will evolve into one that is because the companies that do it <laughs> will, they'll have an outsized advantage, an edge. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how many companies try to market and brand the things they're doing as being super flexible, super edgy, only for that to be empty lip service, same as so many other sorts of branding exercises. Here's a teaser for another discussion, maybe next time. I can almost count on two hands the number of articles I've started to see in the last two, three weeks that invoke the word trust. And they're all coming from very big corporations that are like, we're changing our brand. You can trust us. We're changing this. It's the overuse, the bloat of the word trust. It doesn't make you trustworthy just because you restructured yourself and called one department trust. Yes. So, Is there a chief trust um, officer? Because, I mean... Oh, it's coming. It's coming, dude. I think it's you coming. and me are... We have some collateral built up here. Yes, yeah. we do. I would you, never take you know, that job. You, oh my gosh. Could you imagine? No, not even Good close. luck. Good luck to you. you. You know me well enough to know that I'm actually not as cynical as I'm coming across. I'm really, I puzzle at these things and then always look for the silver lining, the half full, hopeful solution. It's and, not but, and it's interesting timing. It's interesting to see all of this happen now in the shadow of the statistic you just gave us in the shadow of this entire conversation, like your employees are piecing out. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Has the ice, has the, has the ship already hit the iceberg and there, can you do anything about it? I don't know. Is it too late? We'll see. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. Yeah. I think I'm, I am very excited to see what our firm will do with a, a clever working group and the space we're privately held. We have the space to be flexible. I'm going to be very optimistic and very excited to see what we do. I think there's there's one more. I've been jotting these principles down because I think they're great. Actually, we could probably flesh them out further. There's one additional that I think will be important. And there is something around creating an experience whether that be with perks or what your office space does or is used for or how you how you create the multi-purposes or help people feel like individuals, all the different things we've discussed already, there is something to just opening an office 
and requiring people to come in will not work. It will not work. They will become disenfranchised very quickly. They'll be one of the, they'll be part of the 40%. So how does one rethink experience in the light of all the needs, the flexibility, the accountability, the atomic team, the focus on throughput, focus on connection? How does one think about the necessary experience as an additional principle? Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I just added, so our next two, trust is underrated and overused, like uh, something like that, the overuse of the word trust, and then, yeah, focusing on experiences, I think. And that, the experience will, in the same way that, like, when you create something, you learn a lot of things. People have said the only way you can actually learn anything is to build something, to create something. If you focus on experiences, that's sort of the the way, the mechanism with which you could be, you could give different people different things within the same organization like we talked about earlier almost like a journey map or something Mm -hmm. yeah okay i'm also worried people um, are going to listen to this and say attrition at my company is not 40 percent, therefore i'm doing good oh which is not the right way to think i hope you should never say yeah we we only lost 15 this month we only lost 10 percent this year that's never good like, good news, there were only 10 murders in your city. Yeah. Down from 11. Okay, thanks. That's, <laughs> that's not a great way to look at things, so. Funny. I'll have to, I'll have to come up with and, and shoot over a couple of those articles that I've seen from very big firms. And a, an author that I know, I used to work with him at my former firm, and then we, we've both since left, who's writing more about trust. This is, this, it, it, the two buzzwords I've been seeing are anything and everything around, we're now investing in ESGs. We are now, we are doubling down. We, everybody from, I don't know, Bain, you know, we're, we are doubling down on ESG strategy. And the second is we are doubling down on trust, but it doesn't make those concepts real. Doesn't, it doesn't change them just because you put a new word and a new brand around them. It doesn't change how you spend your money and how you prioritize and how people feel. Yeah. So. I saw one that was better together, like the sort of propaganda, like every, 100% oh. we're better together. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> I hope it works. Like maybe it will. Yeah. Maybe it will for you, but yeah. Okay. This is cool. I think hopefully this, you were not, you did not seem excited at all about this topic when we started talking, but I think we got to some interesting no, points. No, no, it's not that I wasn't excited. I want I like our conversation. I want a different conversation about this. I want to hear a conversation that is raw and authentic and very transparent or open kimono, if you're comfortable with that expression. I want to hear a conversation that is around the people and the problem and not around protecting the com- protecting shareholder value. I want, I want to hear a conversation that isn't about going backward. That is Definitely a that. conversation yeah. that's a, that is not afraid to break things apart in order to go forward and thrive or experiment and fail and thrive. This is a new that's, business frontier. Yeah. <laughs> that's the conversation I'm interested in because I'm also standing here with open hands. Like I've got ideas just like everybody else. I've got ex- life experiences like everybody else, but no one has the right answer. It's the conversations that frustrate me are the ones that seem like they're already figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you ha- if you think you have it figured out, I just I don't really trust your advice right now. <laughs> and, and maybe you do. Like, I just like moving right along to somebody else's podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Okay. Hey, this is good. Cool. Good talking to you about this. We have a few threads to pull on the next few episodes. Yeah. I think we'll do that. Nice. 
Sounds okay, good. Okay, great. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, good to see you. Have a good weekend. Yeah, good to see you too. Bye. 